everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Transform Recruiting Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Owens. And with me today, I have someone that's played a gigantic influence on me and how I've uh, how I've approached my career. Uh, he currently runs a firm uh, that's on the smaller side focused on HR recruitment. Uh, Mr. John Bernadovitz. Hello, sir. Wow, Brad, that's a, quite the introduction. I didn't know I meant that much to you. I knew we were close friends, but man, now, now you make now that's pressureful. Next time I got to buy lunch for you next time we're together for all those kind words. <laughs> no, see, when I hit those points in my career where I'm like, who should I call and ask this question? Like your name just it, it's the first thing that pops up. So, yes, I appreciate everything. And thanks for coming on. Uh, why don't you give everyone a little bit of info about yourself, about your background so that they can understand a little bit more about where your perspective's coming from? Yeah, awesome, Brad. Thanks. So I think the reason why Brad had us on the show, and I say us because it's just not me, uh, excited to have a firm named Willery, named after my kids. I have a Will and a Mallory, so that's a pretty cool story in our journey. 13 years in the recruitment staffing space, and we evolved into consulting as well. And so at Willery, on the staffing side, we do direct hire and temporary placement support for clients. Typically, mid-sized employers are our, our target market customer. And we're placing all range of employee size or all ranges of positions in HR and payroll. So we've placed interns and admin all the way up to CHROs. And uh, that's been pretty cool. And then we evolved a number of years ago and added a advisory and technology consulting practice where we do a lot of work on the HR and payroll strategy and compliance, as well as a heavy play in the technology space on all things HR tech. And so uh, that, that's been really cool. I I'm also excited to be on the other side of the mic, uh, having Brad interview me. I, I, I host a podcast called HR Like a Boss, and it's been a really enriching and such a blessed experience for me. I've, I've written a book called HR Like a Boss as well. It'll be released, I'm hoping, in the summer by Sherm Books. And then we'll have a lot of other things wrapped all around that. But at the end of the day, it's about uh, helping people, making a positive impact through the lens of HR. And taking on that responsibility that people have and re really leveraging that opportunity to make a true difference, not only on the employees that you serve, but the businesses that you work for and the communities that you're living in. So in short, absolutely killing it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So the tagline of this show, the people, ideas and tech that are transforming the industry. I feel like your firm in particular and what I know about its history has been through a bit of a technology roller coaster, uh, going back and forth with maybe how you're running it, what you're running it on, what you're using. Hit me with a little backstory here about your shifts. And then I'm curious to hear, you know, kind of the why behind those shifts when it comes to technology. Yeah, sure. So first and foremost, when we started off, it was just me. So it was a lot of, I'll call it just email and phone and, you know, LinkedIn uh, applications back then. Yep. Uh, using them to the best of our ability. As we started to grow, we put in kind of the leading at the time applicant tracking system for a staffing firm, which is Bullhorn. And uh, that that went successful for a period of time. And then we got uh, this unique outreach from a company called Sendouts, which was, again, very specific for our industry and, and had that, I'll call it that client relations management side of the, the application, as well as then the ATS and traditional aspects of that. Well, as it would would be, Bullhorn ended up buying Sendouts, so we mm -hmm. found our way back to uh, becoming a Bullhorn client. So that was the first, I'll call it 10, 12 years of our uh, technology migration. And then as we've grown and as our needs have changed, we put in a 
a specific uh, sales and marketing CRM inside of our business. That platform doesn't have any applicant tracking tools. So we just recently transitioned to, a, again, another niche provider called Loxo. Uh, that's kind of a, 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 I'll call it a rising star based upon their CEO and some of the platform expertise that they have around uh, some of their machine learning, AI, and just that, that I'll call it that candidate uh, relationship management tool that uh, we did not or did not see the value inside of our, our existing uh, platform. So I've been at Loxo for six to nine months. Uh, it's been a good experience. We feel Loxo is more aligned as far as firm-wide and culture to who we are. Uh, they're smaller, kind of upstart. We understand the aspirations of their leadership and where they're going. And and and, and we, had a, we had a really fine experience with Bullhorn. We just, I think they outgrew us or vice versa. And it just felt like the right transition for us to make. And uh, my, my staffing team has been really happy with it. And uh, we're looking at ways to integrate it further within our, I'll call it HR tech stack and our, our applicant tracking and business tech stack. Uh, that, that's probably to me, the most challenging part of these new age systems. APIs sound really cool and they're easy to spell, but they're very difficult to make them work. And a lot of the standard uh, middlewares that are there like Zapier and whatnot that that claim these things that they can do. Well, th that, that helps to a point, but there's typical further integration that we're looking for. And sometimes for a firm our size, it's hard to make the investment and in making all those systems tie together in a way that you feel like no one has to duplicate any data entry. And so we have to make some compromises in that regard. But that, that's that been our journey. And I think as a technology consulting firm, We've really taken our own advice in assessing and evaluating that system, uh, having a good team around us to implement them. And then the last thing I'd say is we're big on uh, stabilizing the application first, then optimizing and transforming it, kind of taking that journey with the technology and that uh, you can't build upon something without a good foundation. So we're, we're, we're in that process now, and then we can optimize it to leverage some of the different tools and then transform it. Like how we do business is based upon how the technology is built, not necessarily how we want to do business inside of our organization. So how have how has the internal change management gone? Because I know a lot of uh, recruiting firm owners and when I went to things like the SIA conference and ASA and stuff, they uh, everyone's like, what's the new tech? What's the new applicant tracking system that I have to use? Yeah, there, there's this cool, shiny stuff and great, but and they change so fast, they don't really get to that optimized point that you're talking about. But how has the internal change management been switching around? Have you had much um, pushback? Have you had you know, relatively easy adoption? How has that been? Yeah, I would say definitely in all, all four of those implementations, I'm thinking about it, right? So we went from, from Bullhorn to send out, send out some Bullhorn. So th those were three implementations. And now this this last one. We, we had a very engaged team interested in, in leveraging the kind of more modern based technology so that they, they were interested. They were involved in the buying decision. They were a very important part of the implementation. So that part of it, from a change management standpoint, it was it was they were willing participants. They wanted us to make the change. Uh, we, we built some uh, I'll call it some some rails around that implementation to increase our chances of success based upon just the consultation we give from a consulting perspective, just kind of taking our own advice. Doesn't mean we haven't tripped and fell and a couple things didn't work out the way that we expected them to, but by planning and preparing over communication, proper project management, I think we've been able to mitigate some of the risks that are associated with implementing new systems and being 
overly communicative and inclusive with the people that are infected by it. Luckily, in our size firm, it's 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 less than two handfuls, so we're not talking about a thousand people or a hundred thousand people in some of the clients that you're serving, Brad. But it is so so that scope of in uh, the scope of impact is much smaller. But I think the change management philosophies are still the same: evaluating where you think the roadblocks are, preparing for some of the politics that might come along with it. Someone might be upset about a lost piece of functionality. And just understanding you kind of have to take the good with the bad. And, and we've experienced that with this this latest. There's been some really good improvements and there have been some things like, hey, wait a second. We liked how our old application did this and this new one doesn't do it that way. So we've had we've had to evolve in that regard. But my team, through our leader, uh, director of staffing's um, expertise and tutelage, as well as some outside support, uh, have, re- have really managed that change in a way that, uh, again, it's been effective. I'm not going to say it's been a non-event because that's that's unfair to say. No change sure. in technology is, yep. but they're being more efficient with their job, and the tools we've been able to leverage things inside of that to better serve our candidates and clients than we had previously. What is something that you feel like is a feature of that that is making their jobs easier? What is part of that that you're like, oh man, I can't believe we haven't had this for so long. Yeah, the integration on the the I'll call it the candidate experience has been significantly better in our regards and our our chance to leverage technology inside of that. Where in prior worlds, it was really a manual based process for us to communicate on events to people, and now we can really do that in an automated format through some of the workflows and the automation that are built inside of that. And we're also able to leverage some of their texting platforms to to open up that line of communication in a more automated way to candidates because some love to get a phone call. That's me. I'm old school. Some prefer an email. I hate email, so it wouldn't be me. And some love texting. Uh, We all know next will be some sort of chatting through social media platforms and everything else. But uh, we're we're just taking kind of one step at a time. And I, I think that candidate experience and our ability to automate that and be more in communication with our, our, our active candidates, our, our candidates that are in the pipeline, or e- even some of our, our, our non-active candidates, just keeping them informed of what's going on in, in our Willery marketplace. Sure. Keeping everyone warm. Makes sense to me. So where do you feel like if you had unlimited money, unlimited budget, unlimited people, what is the current pain point of this tech stack that you would try and solve first? Yeah, I hinted at it before, Brad. It would definitely be on the integrations between our various platforms. We, we, I've been selling technology for 27 years now, and I've gone through this evolution of how, how the world evolves from best-in-class niche provider to fully integrated, you know, one application does it all, back to best-in-class and, and back and mm-hmm. forth. And, and what I've seen that's worked the best is 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 finding some cornerstone technologies, but then really getting into those niche service providers. So they just do a better job uh, because they're in that space and that's what they do. That's all they're focused on in the example of Locks. So that's, that's a great example. However, it creates some inefficiency because our CRM sales application needs to talk to that, that ATS, needs to talk to our accounting system. We have a, a completely different consulting practice that, that runs on a different platform. So just getting all those systems to integrate better with each other in some seamless format and it to be affordable for us to make it happen. 
so that we're not duplicating a bunch of entry or we're not missing something, a, a bill rate being incorrect, the client not getting billed because the applications aren't connected together or someone having the wrong keystroke and the hourly rates 130 instead of $13 and 25 cents, right? right? Those are all things that have happened once or twice before that we had to fix. And so that, that, that would be the number one thing from my perspective that I feel like as a small business, we don't have endless amounts of technology investment budget, and we have to meld these things together to the best of our ability. Sure. So that's talking about flow of data. I mean, some there is one piece of data that maybe all the systems need, and then there's another piece of data that none of them might need. So yeah, it's it's very interesting to see what some organizations have decided is like, this is what we're going to stake everything on. This has to be integrated. This is perfect. And then for others, they're okay with that swivel chair experience. So yeah, it's interesting to hear directly from you uh, about what's kind of the pain point around that. Uh, what do you feel like, let's get outside the tech stack here for a minute. Let's think about in generalities of the recruiting industry, period. What do you feel like is... Well, here, I'm going to I'm going to give you a little bit of a different question because I, I've asked this question of like everyone, but I, I want to get your take specifically here. What should the recruiting industry be doing more of today that you're surprised they're not? Hmm. Yeah, I, th I think at, at the end of the day, to me, it's about helping clients for us fill the open positions that they have to the best of our abilities as quickly as possible. And I think in my opinion, there, there's a disconnect that happens with some clients where we maybe feel as if we're in conflict with them as opposed to not in support of them. And it to me, it's an odd thing for them to hire us. And in some cases, there's a contingent aspect to it, or we don't get paid until we do it. And they're trying to protect their budget. I really feel like there's, there's an avenue of synergy and kumbaya, I'll call it, between a client and a recruiting firm that we can all align on that we're in this together. At the end of the day, what I tell clients is that we want to make sure you fill the job with the best possible candidate. If it's ours, great. If it's your own, great. If it's from another firm, that's fine too. But let's just be open and communicative and align on that common goal. And let's stay in communication about it. I think that Getting ghosted by candidates, getting ghosted by clients, that sucks. It just, it doesn't feel good for anybody. And you kind of, when you don't know, you start running around and telling your stories a lot of different times that maybe things are not necessarily true. You overanalyze every email you send or everything that you talk to a hiring manager about. When in, in actuality, it's just, they usually don't have time or they've gone on to the next thing and, and uh, we're no longer important to them because they filled that job. To me, that just doesn't feel right in the spirit of that relationship and partnership because six months from now, they may need us again for a more important hire um, or one they've had a hard time filling or even worse for that hiring manager, they might lose his or her job and guess what they need? They need our support to help them find another one. So then our last experience with them is like, wait a second, you ghosted me and that didn't feel good. And now you're calling me because you need help. That, that never feels good in the spirit of relationship. To me, it's, a, it's about... Not an equal amounts of deposits and withdrawals, but uh, there's got to be some level of equity inside of that. Otherwise, it feels like uh, you, you could be getting used. And uh, in, in our space, we, we, we have, our team cares a ton about 
helping our clients and our candidates. They, they really do. And I think that distinguishes us in the market. And we're devoted to the HR and payroll community. I mean, that's those are our people. And so we really want to build those relationships. And I think I think overall, everybody could do a better job in that. Can't, recruiters can do a better job not sending them any any candidate just so they can get an invoice sent out. That's not good. And then clients should be you know, open and communicative and honest about the progress that they're making. And if we all act like big boys and girls, then my guess is we'll get more done and we'll enjoy it in, along the way. What you mentioned there, I've, I've heard put by another firm leader as they never want to feel like they're the grudge by. Like they don't want to be like the last resort. Fine, I guess we'll call this recruiting firm. Like no one wants to be that person that they get a phone call from and says, I guess I have to use you on this one. Like, that's not what we want. And to your point, this goes back to building good relationships. And that's not something that automation or technology or even AI or anything like that is going to truly build a good relationship. It can do things like keep people updated. It can do things like keep people warm for you by saying, hey, we haven't heard from you in a while. Give me a call or, or something like that. It can't build that relationship. What have you found successful in building those client side relationships? Is there any advice that you'd give some young and upcoming recruiter? Yeah, I mean, I think for the first thing is, and I mentioned it before, I think societally things have changed. Uh, I'm old now or middle-aged at least. And uh, my, my experience, I, I can say, I remember when I first got email on my computer, right? And was like, oh my God, what is this thing? This seems neat. And then the next thing I know, five years later, it's what consumes a lot of people's time and energy. And so I, I built relationships, just meeting people for coffee or calling them on the phone or having lunch with them or going to a sporting event together or having that fellowship and camaraderie. And then email came along and then texting came along and then social media came along. And that requirement to build that one-on-one -on -one relationship with you, Brad, or hiring manager A or B changed. And I think that you can do an okay job. You can supplement your relationship building through these social media platforms and you can showcase to so many people that you're writing a book or that you got a new dog or whatever the case might be that happened in your life. But it, and it's nothing like that one-on-one -on -one rapport that you have with a human being and the fact that you can create a connection with someone like you and I have. Like you and I, I remember meeting you at Disrupt HR and I was like, that dude's really cool and he's good at presenting. And we then became friends and I feel blessed to have you in my life. And now I'm on this podcast and I don't think that would have happened if we hadn't met at Disrupt HR. We probably could have had a relationship through email and phone, but it just was different in that individual connection and community that we were able to create through our fellowship. So I, I would say to a, a newer recruiting manager, sales rep at a recruitment firm is once a week, call someone that you care about or you want to care about and take them out to lunch, buy them a cup of coffee, even if it's virtual, just build a rapport with them, get to know them, find out about their family, their kids, their personal interest, what makes them tick. And I, I still believe that people buy from people that they like. And I think it's easier to like someone when you really get to know them as opposed to what you're seeing just on social media or through email exchange. Yeah, John, I don't know if we would have talked a whole lot if you hadn't been, God, what was it that year? Uh, 
you were on stage. You started a flash mob of Macarena. Yes. That was it. Yeah. Had the entire uh, auditorium doing the Macarena, which I thought was amazing. Uh, with the co-founder of the There were a few, there were a few that were not because they were looking at me like I was a total idiot. Uh, mostly those men out there that don't like to dance. I'm not going to stereotype them. But yeah, I just posted something when I got my book signed or it's not signed when the publishing agreement got done and, and sent the manuscript to Sherm Books. I did this stupid, like I, I texted my marketing director because she's been so helpful with me. And then I was like, maybe I should share that with the world that I just did that. And I got so many cool, like that was awesome. And I had a few people like really ragging on me. Like one of my buddies with a text ring, take that down. You look like an idiot. I'm like, perfect. I'm going to make more of those. Right. You'll get remembered. That's amazing. All right. Uh, I want to respect your time here. So I know we only have just a few uh, minutes left before we wrap things up. What do you feel like will happen to the recruiting industry as a whole in 10 years from now? What's it going to look like? Yeah, I, th I think what will end up happening in, in my, my uh, expert opinion and having done this now for almost 20 years is I think that we will be challenged by more and more automations the you you mentioned the word AI, machine learning, those technologies will continue to advance themselves beyond where we are today. I think certain aspects of the job that are somewhat tedious and difficult will be automated. But I also believe that it will still require someone really sharp and savvy and well connected to help a client determine if this is the right cultural fit, if they're going to work, be able to do the jobs that need to be done, they're going to be able to assess from a unique, I'll call it passive candidate pool, where I think a lot of the automations will help the, the, the large majority of people that want to leverage those to get known. But there's going to be still a significant number of, of uh, great candidates that uh, I, I would say employers are going to have a hard time finding on their own because they just can't work searches like search firms can. And, and I think that uh, there, there will be a, a higher value on that. So what that tells me is there'll probably be a little lower volume. There'll be a higher premium potentially on the pricing for a recruiter. So I see fees going up. And then I would say, I, I hope last but not least that those relationships with those clients and recruiters improve because the, va the value is seen and, and the need for it. I can get behind fees going up. I think that would be amazing for everyone. That sounds like a perfect thing. Let's do that. Well, that's perfect, John. I appreciate you taking the the time out to uh, to talk with us today, to share your insights, to share your your past experiences. I know there's a lot of folks out there that feel probably just the exact same of like, man, these technologies are cool. I really wish they integrated together. Uh, you know, it's none of this is really going to replace creating a relationship, which is the most valuable thing I can do. So is this really that important? The whole point of this is to bring up the ideas that, hey, look, y'all, you're not alone. Everyone's trying to deal with the exact same stuff, uh, but everyone's going to approach it a little bit differently. And I feel like with you and your firm and the your small niche that you got yourself part of, I think it's perfect for your use case. I think that's amazing. Um, I know they've got a good leader and they're going to point them in the right direction. Um, you know, someone who's got high volume, crazy, trying to put 20 people at a call center tomorrow kind of thing. They might have something completely different. Um, but I think for your use case, I think this sounds awesome. I appreciate you sharing your insight. Uh, where would you like people to find you if they want to hear more from John? Yeah, awesome. Uh, Twitter's John Bernadovich. Last name is B-E-R-N-A-T-O-V-I-C-Z. There's no spelling quiz for that. 
You can also <laughs> find me on LinkedIn. And then my company, Willery, is W-I-L-L-O-R-Y. And last but not least, you can Google HR Like a Boss. That book will be released in the summertime. And I really appreciate, Brad, our relationship and your continued thought leadership inside of the recruiting technology space. Keep it up. You're doing an awesome job. Absolutely, man. I appreciate that. And uh, for those of you that want to find some more from this podcast, it is transformrecruiting.com. Feel free to send me an email. I'm brad at transformrecruiting.com uh, or you can do hello at bradowens.com. Uh, so look forward to hearing from everyone. Thanks so much for stopping in yet again and we'll catch you on the next one.